All right, well, I'm an old school Jane uh, Huger, Ben Mangos, Mark Thompson with you guys. I think this one's gonna be a little rowdy. I think this one's <laughs> gonna be a little rough around the edges in a good way. Okay, so we have many topics, including uh, getting stuck in a group text, uh, wishing everybody a happy birthday. That's coming up a little bit later. <laughs> uh, the worst translation app in American history and how much trouble it got me in. Uh, that's coming up a little bit later. But we should note, of course, that this uh, fine broadcast of Old School is brought to you by a number of folks. Uh, number one is shoptyt.com. We're going old school for uh, appropriately enough as a sponsor. Uh, join the Thunder. Can I, can I get a single shot on this? Okay, so uh, this is the new sweatshirt and shirts that are out. I should open it up. Um, join the Thunder? Join the Thunder. Can you guys see it? I'm the worst at holding things up. I'm going to stop holding things up. Okay. Uh, How do you join Thunder? Uh, thunder, Ben, as it turns out, is a flock of dragons. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And how do you join a flock of dragons? Uh, you go uh, uh, and watch the damage report. Uh, <laughs> pick a dragon squad name for yourself. For uh, example, I am Justice Dragon. Okay. Of course. And then you you then join the thunder. Uh, so do we have to come up with dragon names for you guys on tonight's show? Ben's gonna vote no. We we know that. Yeah. Uh, okay, but nonetheless, we might anyway. Um, and the show's also <laughs> well. It was Game of Thrones. It was Game of Thrones. You know, I mean, again, there was a, on the first one. There was you know, dragon the dragon. It was great. I mean, no, it was it was like they gave up. Or again, the placeholder name like just went into production, and somebody was like, "No, no, no, man! I, we were just we were debating the name, and now you it was in the script in the first one, and now it's got to be Dragon the Dragon." Um, what was his real name? What was his name? Like Dragon, Dragon the Dragon? or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you know, but my dragon name would be like Benjamin the Dragon. Benjamin the Dragon sounds like a kid's book. Yeah, well, dragons are for kids, they're for children, they're for little children. Yeah, so look, you're gonna make me bust out my dragon theory early. Uh, not that I had it on schedule, <laughs> but so number one, uh, I'm calling BS on you picking Benjamin the Dragon um, because you're not gonna be able to help yourself. You're gonna want some pun. Can I tell people what you're, uh, fantasy football league uh, name is in the TYT league? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, the fake juice. Um, yeah, fake juice. <laughs> just fake juice. Right. My bad. That's funny, though. Just fake that's juice. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. And so that's, there's no scenario under which that isn't funny. And so, so you're going to, you're going to, you know, if we get into it, we get knee deep into it, you're going to find something else for your dragon name. Um, All right. Okay. All right, um, my dragon name could have been too strong as well. Uh, TooStrongCoffee.com slash TYT, of course, as we're gonna get literally the most delicious coffee in America, slash anywhere else in the world. Uh, and then B, give money to progressive causes, uh, and they need them. Um, you don't have to give the money, it's part of the cost of it. Is it organic? Do I have to tell you it is? All right, TooStrongCoffee.com slash TYT. And Ben, uh, as you know, The Daily Show was a placeholder name. Right, so uh, they were just—they didn't know what to call the new show that they were going to have on every day on Comedy Central. So they used to just call it the Daily Show, and then they went to air, and they're like, 
Ooh, we didn't come up with a name, so I guess it's the Daily Show. I didn't know that. Right. That's that's a you knew that. But I mean, that, even yeah. as a placeholder name, I'm sure they thought it was funny. I mean, it's a show on every day about the news. It's a Daily Show. We'll do better. And then I suspect over time they're like, yeah, it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. The um, best placeholder um, story of a big hit that I've heard. Uh, my friend uh, Allie Willis was one of the writers of September, that song from Earth, Wind and Fire. And when she was writing it with them, they used body da as a placeholder in the song until they came up with a lyric later. And then they developed the rest of the song and the rest of the lyric. And they went to the recording kind of like what Ben's talking about with Daily Show with body da and it just worked. And, and right. she went to she she said to Maurice, I think it was. She said, "What the hell does body da mean? We can't leave it in. What the hell is body da?" And he said, "Who the f cares? It's staying in." Right. And it was, of course, and now there are shirts that just say "body da." It's become part of you know. It's one of the most downloaded and streamed songs in history. So yeah, sometimes those placeholders take off. Yeah, yeah. The, sure. the, the guys and guys and Toto um, were like for for most of uh, uh, Africa, which became this gargantuan uh, hit for them. Was like he didn't know what it means, you know. Sure as Kilimanjaro rises like a leprous above the Sahara, and <laughs> does it rise above? He said, I don't know, no idea. I was just trying to rhyme stuff, <laughs> and then great. and then and then he was like, yeah. Then the league was like, you know, because as he's singing it, as he's creating, he's like, but da 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 da. He's just doing that, and then he figures words out, and he was like, well, so I bless the rains down in Africa. Like, what does that mean? And he was like, hmm, well, it means nothing. And then we all we all were working on. It. We were all he goes. They were all laughing at the song, how ridiculous it was, and some guys would throw in some lyrics. After late, and everybody was kind of working on it, working on their parts, and they barely included it on the album. It was like the last song they included on the album, and it. And it I, I remember, I, I bring it up because I believe it is the most downloaded song. Yeah. Or you know, I mean, there all depends on I suppose what era you're talking about, but it's absurd how much that song has been downloaded, considering they almost didn't put it on the record. So, so in music, I think there's a fair amount of. Sounds. Well, that, that, yeah, that, that's that exactly yeah, right. Which is great. They're all great stories. I'm not knocking the story. It's a good one. So you guys know I'm not a music aficionado, right? Uh, and so I will now tell you that I think <coughs> an enormous percentage of the lyrics in music don't make sense. Um, and uh, and I think that there's a couple of songs, you know, not a couple. There's 20% of the songs are trying to make sense, are trying to make a point. 80% of songs are la di da or whatever that thing was. Um, so, I mean, is like, is it really poignant? 80% of the songs? No, they're not. I mean, and I'm not even just talking about boom, boom, boom. Let's go back to my room. Uh, I'm talking about songs. <laughs> pretending that makes to be a point. Poignant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, I agree and disagree. I mean, I, I don't know, but, but the percentages. I think it's. I mean, sometimes, and also that's not necessary. Like the lyrics don't have to be. Poignant, right? They just have to be catchy, right? I mean, the idea is the you know the music takes you to a place. I mean, it speaks to you. It changes how you feel. It doesn't have to be about something profound. I mean, most there's only like five things that most good rock and roll songs are about, right? And that might I might be high, 
you know, falling in love, falling out of love, right? You know, being alone. Uh, that's it. That's the end of it. <laughs> you know, they're all they're they're all largely about that. Uh, I think more and more they're about dancing and partying, and you know, those are big songs. Right. Those that would be, I guess, more pop songs. I'm just saying, rock. Most rock and roll songs are about that, right? Some some way, shape, or form about. Yeah, sort of being alone, or for, and maybe you're happy to be alone. But I mean, they're you know, or going for a ride. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing they're about. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> the road, finding yourself on the road. Um, but you know, they still they they uh, they move you. But you have to appreciate some of those stuff, Jen, because it's you know, I mean, it is it's poetry. I mean, literally, there are rhymes in it, and the best rock songs are great, great, great poems. And no, like most poems, I don't know, they, do they make a lot of sense? I don't know. There are little moments in it that make sense, and the rest of it is designed to make that one moment that does make sense to get it into a song, to get it into a poem. Like I don't know what the rest of it is, but I hit, I hit it, I nailed it with these six lines. I needed to write a whole poem, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> no. First of all, okay, no. Uh, maybe modern day poetry because they're copying music, but in the old days, like Walt Whitman, he wasn't like, I got six lines. I'm gonna fill the rest of you know leaves of grass. Yeah, but he didn't. No. He didn't write songs. <laughs> if if Walt but Whitman I, I, had you know stepped said, in the studio, I don't know anything about Walt Whitman. But I, he's still a person, and I guarantee you he did. He had like I don't mean they meant nothing, but he was like, all I really the thing I care about and leaves of grass, the only Walt Whitman poem I know, right? He's like I got I got ten lines that really work, and the rest of it's fine. It's just things I thought of. They don't have to be incredibly profound, you know. I mean, I think it's that it for a fair amount of writers, you know. If you get one or two great things in your in your piece of art, good enough. Well, I don't know. I, think I, I was really ready to sign on to what I think is a really great point that Ben's making about music and lyrics, and then he kind of has generalized it to now include poetry. I think poetry. And I'm not a huge poetry aficionado, but it's pretty strong wall to effing wall. It's not like it's just, well, this verse or these first few lines are so so, but wow, this middle part's really. But I I really do sign on to Ben's notion, which is that a lot of songs have stuff in them that really builds out the overall feeling and texture of the song. And then the lyrics that stand out may only be a couple of lines or one no, I, simple I idea. Believe, I, I've now talked myself into this theory. I, I am certain of it. There's no way when Allen Ginsberg wrote Howl, he thinks every part of it is great. Like, I mean, you know, it has a, it, it sends a, I guarantee you parts of it were like, yeah, I gotta finish the poem. I gotta finish the poem somehow. And it's a poem, so it's not like a real story. You're massively restricted, like you are in a song. And there's no way, and those guys aren't smarter than, you know, they aren't smarter than the, the, the I don't know who the best songwriter is. Jay Z is a great songwriter, right? Is that true? Do people like to think that's true? Or Dr. Dre, one of those guys, put, I'm trying to say somebody slightly more modern than Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan and the Beatles, right? But I mean, there's no way they, you know, they go, they had some great little lyrics, and that's why they repeat. In the song so effectively, excuse me, right? Like I do that verse again. It's great. 
again, you've lost it all together. I mean, the fact that you've become 100% convinced of it is even more convincing me that it's not the case. I think you are, you've are you diluted yourself on this point. Again, I think you are 100% right about, and I even can reflect on songs I can think of that really Make your point that a lot of the song and the lyric is there to fill out what is a great vibe and great song and other great lyrics that exist apart from the main yeah. substance of the lyrics that that fill it out. But I the idea, but the idea behind poetry is that these guys they do complete the poem, they do stick the landing. It's not like oh, I just got to finish this poem, bam, I'm going to toss in these two lines, and because I'm whomever, you know. Joe poet. <laughs> I just want to let me put my last stamp on it. I want to. I'm not, not. I don't know anything about poetry. I know less than Mark. It doesn't speak to me in general. I'm just saying that as artists, I bet they're more like musicians than we think. And I'm not knocking them. I'm praising musicians and praising like they're all. They all do something amazing. But in the end, they're people, and they got to finish the thing, which has these very restrictive rules. To the point where I got to think, like, I mean, if somebody throws a poem away because they can't quite get the beginning and the end, but it's got this beautiful middle, I would say to them, no, finish it. And I'm praising it. That's amazing. It's great. You just got to get through it. And I think they're just regular, they aren't smarter than songwriters at all. They're just different. But in the end, they're people, and you make, you're constantly making allowances. So, I, and little, you know, you're making compromises with yourself to get the good people stuff. People are but on I, deadlines I, I, all the time. They talking. gotta finish stuff. You don't just, they don't hose down the finish always. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're high rises that go up and they're trying to make a deadline. They don't just hose down the 15th and 17th floors, you know, because they, I'm not because they're they human. Hose it down. I'm saying it might be good, but I'm just saying that I bet they're like, I just one great idea. And I got the rest to work around it, but okay. I had this. You know, yeah. Look, uh, I think that uh, <laughs> if people in the past are overhyped, like because they uh, look old, uh, right. they all have like wigs on. Every, like everyone from the past has got white hair, so they look older and smarter than right. us. Uh, having said that, I got poets over songwriters. No, oh, it's not even close. <laughs> songwriters crush them to death. Poetry has one thing: the songwriters have to write the song and the music together. It's harder. Yeah, it's, it's harder. Artistic skill sure. there is. It's first, first. It's first, hardest thing there is. Okay, and and, and sometimes the rhyme is harder. That's why sometimes you have to go no, with the rhyme is harder. You know, Bruce Springsteen wrote some of his best rhymes in the early days, and he's like making fun of these songs now. He had a rhyming dictionary. Yeah, yeah, you get together. Let me just say that really was his best stuff, though, didn't you think, Jank? I think now he's really kind of tapered, wouldn't you say? Springsteen's yeah. best that was when it was when he had the rhyming dictionary. Yeah, I mean, look when he <laughs> when I when he took me by surprise that uh, that he wasn't celebrating being born in the USA. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> and I thought that was some of his best work because there was a twist in there, intrigue. Um, and uh, but I, my one of my favorite rhymes of all time in a song is from Biggie Smalls. S cargo, my cargo. <laughs> uh, and I've always wondered, did he mean his cargo slow, or you know, just those things rhyme those things actually rhyme. quite exactly? And so um, that's why I put it in there. The uh, uh, my brother Josh Mankiewicz, uh, uh, and one of his many. 
salient observations about the human condition says there would be no rock music, rock music if sorrow didn't rhyme with tomorrow. <laughs> <It was> <laughs> very solid point. A very solid point. Yeah. yeah. Ben, you know who you, which philosopher you would like? Um, Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, and that might sound surprising to you, uh, but uh, you would like the way that he wrote because he wouldn't write like a whole flowing chapter and a whole flowing book where that tells a whole story. He's like, no, he'd have an idea, he'd write it down and then he'd draw a line. He'd have another idea, write that down, draw a line. So each idea is like a sentence or two paragraphs or he goes like a page and a half. You're like, whoa, Frederick, I'm not, I'm not even saying it's there. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying we, as you said, Jenk, we uh, we deify poets as smarter than the rest of us. And I'm just saying they're different. They're quirky. They had they took a, first of all, none of them made a dollar basically, right? It's impossible, right? And and I think they had some great inspiration in there, I'm sure. And then the rest of it, it wasn't all great, but they had to finish the poem. They had the same motivations that every artist has, which is how do I finish this piece of art? And it must have been very hard. And but I and I'm gonna slightly disagree with one other thing. By the way, the poetry show with uh Jenk, Mark, and Ben. I think I think I think yeah. we should do that podcast. People are very <laughs> interested with our takes on poetry. With all the poetry we've read, Jenk has probably read more poetry than the two of us combined, Mark. That's absolutely right. right. I would agree. I guess. Um but uh uh um that said, the older people from the older eras. Oh wow, I just got brought one, two, three, six Oreos by my daughter. Wow, wow. that's fantastic. Um, uh, they are smarter because they didn't waste their time watching television because they read. And if you spend your time reading and less time watching TV, I love TV as you know, but but reading, reading tops all uh, time wasters and makes you smarter. Yeah, by the way, little known fact, Leaves of Grass, also a placeholder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't really make sense, and he's like, I don't know, I'll just leave it in as a gag, you know? Walt right, totally, yeah. I'll Walt come up with something better. Leaves or grass? What the hell does that mean? Leaves? It should be leaves or grass, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you guys know? I just found this out just like a little while ago that Walt Whitman and Oscar Wilde hooked up. No, oh, I didn't know that. No, no. How's that for a power couple? Yeah, like that's that, totally powerful. Well, power couple that if they if they'd uh, held hands in public, they uh, both would have been uh, stoned to death or sent to prison. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, for Oscar Wilde, mission accomplished. He was eventually yeah. sent to prison for being. Well, I mean, and the yeah. thing about Oscar yeah. Wilde is they had ways to get him out. Like it was a, you know, he was pretty well connected. He did not have to go to prison. He did, but he didn't want to. He didn't want to get out of it. It was weird. It was like a, I don't know, you know. Same well, that goes to one of the oldest debates that uh, me, Ben, and Jill Pike had, uh, speaking of old school, like 20 years ago on the show, which is, would you want to go to prison every once in a while just to take a break? <laughs> and Jill and I said yes, and Ben said no. And you and Jill said yes to that? I didn't just say no, I said, you guys are insane, and you're wrong, and you wouldn't. That's exactly <laughs> right, Ben is right, uh, uh, yes, yes, and yes, yeah. Ben is correct. Well, it depends on the prison. Look, I talked to Tommy Chung. I, he, like, I got redemption on that. Like, 15 years later, when I talked, he's like, "Yeah, he went to Rich Man's prison. He, his bunkmate was the Wolf of Wall Street, literally." Uh, and uh, he said, "I played tennis all day. It was great. I took a break from life. I uh, got myself together." Uh, and I wouldn't say he loved it. That's probably too strong. But he really didn't mind. 
But uh, if you already had yourself together, you don't necessarily feel as though I need the break from everything I want to do. And I don't play tennis anymore or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, I'm just saying it. It's, I get it. It's kind of like camp ish, but you don't have access to the internet the way you would. You don't have access to a cell phone the way you would. And you don't have freedom. You can't, you can't walk away. Leave. You can't leave. You exactly. can't and, and here's, leave. and yeah. on the camp that Tommy Chong was at and, and, and other camps like it, there are no fences, so it looks like you can leave and like you you have that urge to leave. But if you walk past a certain point, you will then go to a prison that is not like yeah. Tommy Chong's prison. Yeah, so. you gotta play you got a prison where you gotta play pickleball. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, one of those BS pickleball prisons. Um, uh, by the way, Michael called me a couple days ago and he was like, "We gotta start playing pickleball," and and I I concur. It's and the it, thing. I think we should play pickleball. I think we'd all have fun playing pickleball. So pickleball is a thing that I I find out what it is every once in a while, and then I forget again. It's happened two or three times. It's mini. It's mini tennis. Yeah. And so it's just tennis for fat asses who doesn't who don't want to run as. No, much. actually, it's been being played by some top athletes. Yeah, top, yeah, tennis, yeah. top tennis players are playing it now. Yeah, but it, but yes, you're both right. That's true. But it's also yeah, you know, it's tennis, so you don't have to run around as much. But we would still, be in the fat ass league, maybe. But it's still super yeah. competitive. You know, you're still competing and you're still making shots, and it's still like a, you know, it just seems like I don't know, it just seems like a fun thing to do, and you know, bet on and then hang out and go have a meal afterwards. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I figured uh, if I break it down like that. You had him at bed on a meal. Ben knows how to package something. And as busy as I am now, and and it, which you know stresses me out. Um, so I, I get Jenk's point, and I think it's a relevant point that the idea of a forced break from your life, you're like, honey, I don't know, what, I can't do anything about it. I gotta go to prison, <laughs> you know, and then. And you go to prison, you're like, yeah, I don't really, again, I don't have access to the internet except maybe an hour a day in the library or whatever. So, yeah, I'm going to play tennis and read and get up early and do some push ups and not have to pay a bill or think about anything. Yeah. That sounds yeah. pretty great. Yeah. If I, if I didn't lose 60 pounds in prison, I'd be so disappointed with myself. Uh, I mean, I'd get so jacked on both like exercise and poetry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you wouldn't know what to do with me. All right, uh, I'm gonna move. Um, so, when you have you guys ever gotten stuck on um, a text group, like um, yes. <laughs> uh, first of all, yes. Okay. Second of all, where it then starts to feel a little obligatory to do happy birthdays, and oh. there's too many people in the text group. So every other day, you're feigning. Like incredible, uh, you know, enthusiasm for the next person's birthday. Like Mark, oh Mark, happiest of birthdays. Yeah, yeah, no, I, not not that. But I mean, I, there are certain things that, that the manner in which I leave my life has uh, has afforded me. One of them is that nobody expects me to wish them a happy birthday. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, so I mean, I, I don't know anybody's birthday. I mean, I know. I actually know Mark's because of the the interesting date of his birthday. I know Jenks because our birthdays are close and we work together for so long together and our birthdays were were together. And I know a couple of my friends, but anybody I've met in the last 15 years, I got no, I got no idea. And they seem to know mine. And I have occasional moments where I'm like, oh, it's nice that they wish me a happy birthday, but I don't I don't know theirs. 
And I'm not gonna try to find out. My brother has everybody's birthday in his calendar, a written calendar, and then in his phone. So he's constantly, how many birthdays do you think my brother acknowledges a year, Mark? Oh my God, I mean, I'm betting one a day. I mean, probably. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely more than 100, it might be yeah. 200. Where he's yeah. constantly telling people happy birthday. And you know what they think when, when he wishes them a happy birthday? Isn't he a great they're, guy? Isn't he a great guy? They're so touched yeah. by it. It's such yeah, a nice and, and, thing. And, and in his case, he has like pictures of them to yeah, with him. Really like he's picture, really, yeah. it's yeah. more than a perfunctory thing, you know, he, no. he really does, yeah. He's a very, very, very thoughtful person, unlike his younger brother. Mm -hmm. yeah. So <laughs> the upside of Almost everyone uh, you know thinking that you're a really considerate guy is significant. I think that's a really great upside. Uh, the downside of having to keep track of those birthdays swamps that upside. Yeah, it's, it's not, not even close. I can't do it. It's too. It scares me. I mean, it's too. I mean, obligate the, the sense of. I mean, this is my own problem, but and it's a problem. But I mean, the sense of obligation I feel when anybody asks me to do anything. It's frustrating. You know, it's hard. I mean, you know, in my small defense, I get asked to do like. A billion things, um, most of which I don't want to do. Uh, yeah, so uh, no, I I get wished happy birthday now as a by four sets of folks pretty regularly. One is family, sure, my kids think it's fun, right? Um, number two is uh, two folks who have the same birthday as me, so we always like happy birthday, happy birthday. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and Twitter. Um, yeah, Twitter. Some Twitter account tracks birthdays. Yeah. And on my birthday, it says Happy Birthday to Jane Huger. Blah blah blah. And then of course, then people come in and go, oh, Yeah, I bet it's a good day for donkeys. Oh, Huger's around. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh <laughs> if you guys could, if to, would you accept a world tomorrow where there were no cell phones, or no. maybe would you? No. no, no way. I think cell phones are amazing. Uh, I, I think their upsides greatly outweigh their downsides. Oh, well, let me just let me just get something straight. It's it's really. If you limited the cell phone so it was only a phone that it was only able to yeah. communicate that way, is that what you mean? Well, yeah. So I mean, we could think it through. I was being hasty because, of course, what I mean is text, contact, right. constant access to things. I suppose you know there's value to a phone, but I'm thinking, you know, you watch, you know, I watch a lot of old movies, and you, you know, the being in it, unable to get to a phone is such a critical. Plot point in so many movies. I mean, yeah. I almost think there's a whole, you know, there's a whole line of thought, and I'm going to simplify it in Hollywood that you can you can make a small movie where you can raise five million dollars from people, where you can make a two hundred million dollar movie or three hundred million dollar movie, but you can't make anything in between, right? Which is why there are no movies for guys like us, right? Except, well, Jenk, you love the Marvel movies, but why there there are no movies except superhero movies or franchises, right? Um, and uh, and it's partly because they 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 were they were reliant on people not being accessible by phone. <laughs> and now to make that happen, you got to put people in ridiculous circumstances to where their phone doesn't work. Right, right. I mean, it becomes a plot point in some cases, but you're right. It's uh, yeah, right. It's it actually one of the great thing the old movies that you know. Uh, 
Operator, give me Oliver six four seven three five. I like the you know. There's always that um, yeah, the was somebody's name with the with the number, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. Operator, yeah. uh, give me Butterfield eight three three one four. Yes, yeah, I'll Butterfield eight. That's it. And there's yeah. never there's never a moment where they allow the operator to speak. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. There's no point. Yes, that's right. I'll hold. Thank you, operator. Give me Washington right away. Yeah. Quickly, operator. Quickly. I need the government. U.S. government. Give me right to the White House. Thank you, operator. Very good. All right. Uh, I'm holding. Yes. Thank you. Uh, that's just terrific. Uh, but uh, I would, I would say yes. I would, I find the, you know, and, and both my wife and I uh, sort of romanticize the moment, the the times in your life where you're inaccessible. The prison thing got me thinking about it. Like it's so appealing to be. Unreachable, right? You know, like mm -hmm. you can't. You know, I'm flying today. I guess I'll call you tomorrow. You know, because otherwise I'm going to get to the hotel at midnight, and I don't call you at midnight. You know, like it's a. It was okay. It was okay, and when we've made ourselves able to stay in touch all the time, constantly. Um, you know, and uh, there was, you know, there was mystery when the phone rang. That was a wonderful thing. Ooh, who is this? Yeah, that's this true. Girl, I'm hoping it would be. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, 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 you know, I don't know. I, 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 I definitely miss it. I'm sure I would also miss, you know, the access to. I like the access to information. I do not like the forced connectivity. Yeah, I think I've gotten so used to it that I'm, I'm now. I'm gonna say addicted, but that has a negative connotation. But I think I'm addicted in a positive way uh, to the phone. I, I mean, I like being able to access the news right away. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And the hardest part has been the the keeping up with friends because it's too easy to keep up with friends. And that leads back to, to to what I was discussing. Like I have another friend group where there's like, I don't know, 30, 40 people in the group uh, and so it's somebody's birthday every other day, and here <laughs> we go, here we go. And then everybody's got something to say, which makes all the sense in the world, right? And and I actually want to hear all of that, the happy birthdays I could do without, but the uh, the rest of the stuff I wanna hear, right? But there's so many messages. Yeah. So ironically, I have an easier time keeping up with the news than keeping up with my friends, because there's so many text groups and chat groups and, and so many things happening. And then I feel super guilty because every once in a while, my friends will be like, you don't know that Lucas hurt his knee? You didn't send a card? Yeah, but it's a little bit, I mean, it's like my mom. It is, it's this endless, I mean, Kelly, our friend Kelly, you know, last night he, he said, you know, I don't know, I guess we can't do it Wednesday because Ben won't respond. God damn it, sorry, because Ben won't respond, right? Um, and uh, and and I was like, yeah, I saw it earlier, but I got distracted, and then 57 other things happened, you know, and I couldn't make it, and I was trying to think how I could figure out how to make whatever. It's just, it's a little, it it, it is it is frustrating. It is frustrating. It, it, it I have a tough time ever feeling like I have a moment uh, to myself, and I I uh, I don't it, so much so that that when the the text message buzzes, I have a visceral uh, reaction to it. Like I, you know, it's I tense up, no question. I can be by myself, wow. and I tense up. Like here's what now, you know. So and it's my daughter going, "Hey, daddy, I love you." What now? Really? <laughs> you had to tell me this now? Yeah, <laughs> I got it. You said that the last couple of I days. Got I got it. Daddy, my daughter, I know you love me. Okay, I don't need to hear it yeah. twice a day. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the text doesn't stress. Well, that's not true. Sometimes they get uh, emergency tech 
business texts in the middle of the night and stuff. And uh, that stresses me out. But that's super normal, it does to everybody, right? Um, but um, but the, I'm telling you that one group I have with my Jersey friends, that's like, I, I'm constantly like, wait, do I go? I, now I've missed four days of, uh, you know, of the thread. Uh, now I've missed 10 days of the thread. But I, I wanna go back to the beginning because then I'm not gonna know what they're talking about if I just join in the middle. But then now the, it's piled up so much, I need two hours to go back to the beginning. But I don't have two hours. Oh, now it's 14 days. Now it's 44. God damn this goes, it, right? This goes to my this goes to my poetry point. <laughs> because Doesn't like I don't I don't have that. But that's messed up. And that's your own dumb psychology that won't let you come in in the middle, right? You have to go back and complete stuff. And we all, I'm just saying, we all have such dumb things. I mean, you don't, there's no reason for me to have the phone go buzz and I'm like, like that's crazy, right? But it's there. I'd like to not have it. I just mean, we're all crazy. And so are the poets. <laughs> very well oh, done. That, was, that was an interesting yeah. way to tie it up. I, I think ironically you proved your point that sometimes it's hard to end something and you just say something at that. <laughs> no, by the way, in writing, yeah, I struggle with how to end the piece. Whatever I'm writing, how do you end it? How do you end it? You gotta tie it back to the first thing. And then sometimes that ends up being so contrived. It's nice if it does it perfectly. Uh, and the lesson is just stop, stop, finish the sentence, reach a word count, hand it in, it's okay, <laughs> yeah. Like it's all right. It's all, your ending is. Pro, wow. I'm not saying it's probably fine. Like, and then you read some good stuff, and you're like, he didn't. You know, I, I just read this thing in the New York Times. They didn't tie that back into the first paragraph. The the, the biggest <laughs> problem with so many things and movies, maybe the most accessible thing that has this problem, is that the endings are bad. Uh, how many movies can you think of where you go, well, I really liked it, boy, it just didn't, it, it, I wasn't satisfied with the ending, the last episode of White Lotus, I didn't like the ending, the last, whatever it might be. And so I have just the opposite view. The ending is where you stick the landing. You've got to stick the landing. And yeah, I'd, I'd make sure you have a solid ending. I wouldn't just go, well, you know, it's probably good. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, Mark, I, I got you. I, I, I'm saying my lesson is a lesson learned out of practicality. And you actually are proving my point. Of course, the, you should stick the landing. It's crucial. It's the last thing you leave your audience with, whether it's a book or a movie, anything, right? So you want it, you don't. But as you said, because you're disappointed in the ending of so many great things, it is by far the hardest thing to do artistically. By far, when you're if you're if you're writing a story, if you're telling a whether it's a novel or a or a short story or a movie, right? That. That songs are less so because we don't expect it, right? And in fact, songs literally got out of the problem by what if we just slowly turned the sound down? Right? <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what. Repeat like and fade. Yeah, but I don't know how to end it. What if we just like this? And yeah, Mozart never wrote <laughs> repeat and fade, right? Yeah, right, exactly. that's right. So it's really hard to do the ending. I mean, Jack and I, have, you know, we have disagreements about the ending to two shows we both love, Lost and The Sopranos. I think it was good, but Jack is in. There are a lot of people who hated those endings. So many shows, you, you, the end. It's just impossible to get the ending right. Um, you know, the Seinfeld. It was impossible to get the ending right. The ending of Seinfeld, last episode of Seinfeld, did not do justice to the show in any way. I don't think. Although I'm rewatching Seinfeld now, and every single thing they say is hilarious. So I'm not, maybe they maybe I watched it again. They would. It's just so hard. It's so hard. So I'm I'm very compassionate about the ending. But I hear exactly what you're saying, Mark. But I just think it's so hard. So okay. Hard.
I have many ironic and contradictory things to say, so let's get to it. Um, first of all, I'm with Mark on the endings, gotta stick to ending. Uh, but um, I will make a, a big distinction between uh, a movie where it's absolutely imperative. It is not uh, open to discussion and a sitcom. Um, so Seinfeld's last episode, you know, I don't know if it sucked, but it wasn't great. Um, but I was like, yeah, it wasn't great and I was really looking forward to it. But you know what? I instantly pardon you, okay? No, because- no, I, 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 it's definitely, it's definitely, you're, no question. There should be a distinction made between a movie, dramatic television and a comedy where it, 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 week to week, it didn't really matter what happened. There wasn't progress, it wasn't tie. Episode 228 of Seinfeld didn't have to relate to episode six, but it still was the ending of a big, it wasn't just a sitcom. Seinfeld. So, yeah, you know, but but all those stood on their own. And if you got, you know, 224 great episodes totally. out of 228, yeah. but I, one I, of your weak ones was the last one, who cares, right? No, I pardon them. I pardon them too. Don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I yeah. Agree. But on the other hand, if it's a movie or it's a thing, a series where it goes back to back uh, and you got to land ending, there's no ands, ifs, or buts. And so the, most, the, the example that I always use is, Prometheus, which is so such a shame because I named my son after that movie and then they let me down. Um, no, I, I had named my son first, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but uh, so, but you I think was they, named, they like, named the movie after your son. Actually, is the amazing Hollywood fact. Yeah, yeah. well, kind of. Uh, Prometheus came out a little bit after uh, Prometheus was born, and then the movie Joy came out a little bit after Joy was uh, born. Right. So interesting little. Uh, fact. Two, uh, two huge movies, which inspired so many names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are t- people talk about those two movies in the same sentence all the time. Now, Prometheus, <laughs> Prometheus is the Ridley Scott movie. Yeah, it was the with, alien, uh, alien, alien. It's the alien precursor, right? right the, yeah, precursor. The, the yeah, I just remember it was. I really loved Aliens, and yet, or Alien. What was the the first movie? Was Alien or Aliens? First Alien and Aliens, they were both great. Ridley Scott did the first one, James Cameron did the second. They're both outstanding. Yeah. So, but no, Prometheus was written by uh, the guy who wrote Lost. What's his name, Ben? Uh, Damon. Damon. Damian Lindelof or something. Lindelof. Damian. Damian. Damian Lillard, I think. Yeah. Uh, no. da- Damon Lindelof. Lindelof. That's it. Yeah. Well, actually, we don't have to get his uh, last name right. It's the ending, um, and that is quite <laughs> fitting for him. Yeah. Who wrote the ending? <laughs> yeah. Because that dude never writes an ending. Uh, Prometheus just ended, and it was like, wait, what? Well, okay, Lost didn't just end. Lost is you didn't like Lost ending, but it was a no. I didn't like Lost ending, ending, but Prometheus yeah. didn't even have an ending. I don't remember like, the ending yeah, of Prometheus. Didn't, like didn't everything it. blow up, or there was a lot of big explosion? They all ran for the ship or something at the end of Prometheus. It doesn't matter what the action was. Yeah. They never explained what the f was going on ever for no. the whole premise of the movie. It was like so the let me, let me, worst let me. movie ever because it had no ending. I mean, the setup was perfectly fine, just like Lost. And at the end, if we're lost, they delivered on something that they said they weren't going to do. So I was confused let by it. And they so they lied throughout the entirety of the Lost. And I think that later they admitted that they were lying about how, oh, it's not gonna be that, it's not gonna be that, right? But for Prometheus, they were just like, oh, we set up all these great mysteries and mm, F off, not gonna solve them for you. And then yeah, you feel I mean, like you wasted your whole time. I mean, it's outrageous. Let's not get into defending the lost ending or not, but let's acknowledge that starting this story that you didn't know how long it was going to go, and then it becomes this huge hit, right? 
And it's a, I mean, it's a, it's this mystical show about about a crazy, a crazy situation set inside. We're led to believe a real world, right? So, how do you explain that in a way that's going to make any sense? And just saying that gets to the unbelievably hard challenge of something like that. Which well, here's one thing you don't do is lie about it. It's like they did Game well, Game they, of Thrones, and they're like, "No, it's real." And you're like, "Wait, there's dragons in it. I don't get it." Right? And right. in Lost, they're like, "No, it's not going to be supernatural, and it's not purgatory." And then it was. Oh, is that right? I didn't see the end of it. I didn't see the series. I don't think they lied about it, but whatever. I got it. They got they changed. It didn't work for some people. I thought it was I thought it was a little complicated, but I think if you understood the complication, it was. But anyway, I don't want to get into it. So, but I, again, it proves to me it proves the point of how unbelievably hard it is. I might be about to say something super smart, probably not. So movies, because they are such a collaborative art form, have struggled with endings forever because there's so many hands in it, right? Because in the business, in the early days of movies, which we at Turner Classic Movies totally romanticized, but it was a, a giant corporate money making machine. And there was a way you ended movies, and they almost always had to end happily, unless they were a very particular kind of movie. And that conditioned us to expect a certain kind of ending. And then the director or the writer might have had it, but I mean, once the writer's written it, he's lost control over it. If the director wants a different ending and the studio head is, unless the director's absolutely powerful enough and there were only a few to make it happen, it was really hard. And when that many people are involved, you end up with cookie cutter endings, which is what was true in Hollywood for a very, very long time with some rare exceptions. And that bled into the modern day and then was sort of absolved, at least in America, from starting in 1967 when the directors sort of took control and we were suddenly willing, what if these characters weren't cookie cutter good and evil? What would happen then? And what happens if at the end, the person we like gets shot and dies? And the killer gets away with it. Like, can we do that? But that was a bit, I mean, for 50 years, you couldn't do that. You could not do it. So that led to all these movies that had these sort of, and then we became conditioned and accustomed to expecting it. So I think that was a big, that, that's a, that, and that affected. And then television, Mark, was so cookie cutter and mainstream for so long. Forever, you couldn't do anything bold on television until some shows in the 80s started some dramas in the 80s. Hill Street Blues really started it, you know. And there's some sitcoms all in the family that 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 broke ground, but but it was really hard to do anything anything that sort of broke the mold. And and now, if you don't break the mold, you have no chance, or you're on CBS, right? I mean, every show, every I think that's I think that's actually. That's a really cool timeline that describes accurately the contours of Hollywood in both television and in features. And it's it's interesting because as you're speaking, I was thinking to myself, I can think of having been raised on the TV in general that you know ties up everything neatly at the end. You know how I'm wondering if that informed my objection to the end of the James Bond film, where I felt. Part of the fun of the Bond films is how my guy Bond is going to get out of all the situations that you just couldn't get out of. I don't see a way that Bond's going to get out, but I know Bond is going to get out, and it doesn't ruin the movie for me. It's just that's the way they stick this landing. And so, 
when you actually don't let Bond get out of it, it's like, what? So, and I'm wondering, to be fair, because I guess there's a part of the community of people who saw that movie who think, no, don't you see? They tied it all together and it was the end of the character's arc and blah, blah. They enjoyed that. So I'm wondering if part of what I'm seeing in that was informed by some of what you're talking about, Ben, which is that I was raised on, you know, the mother's milk of my world was, you know, our hero doesn't die at the end. Bond does not die. I don't care how, you know. So uh, I, I, I kind of ride with you through everything you just said, because I think it's clearly true. And I just wonder in the modern age, if there aren't still some characters, James Bond being one of them, where you just still, though, you don't mess with that character that way. You stick that landing a certain way always. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the competing. Like, there's people who would say, "I want to, you know, we got to break the mold here. We got to do it differently." Uh, and then I think that you you run a great risk of alienating your fan base if you mess with nostalgia, right? Um, people do not like change in general. Um, they do not like to have things that you know. I mean, look at like I mean, the wonderful movie Misery is all based on that. Like, you can't kill the character. You cannot do it to people to whom it matters to. So, and Bond being the institution that it Yeah, that by the way, you literally that's the as big a spoiler as somebody's ever given me for a variety of reasons. I still haven't seen the movie. Yeah, I mean at and some point I got to go ahead. Hey, yeah, right. At this point it's like, hey man, come on. It was been, no, no, it's no, been no, in no. every blog, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I don't. I'm not criticizing you for it. I just thought it's funny. This is how I'm gonna. This is how I'm gonna learn. It's gonna be now that I. Um, so does oh, it, they I'm kill sorry. him at the no. end. Yeah. No, they. Uh, well, do they kill him at the end? Well, I mean, if you have to ask, and I'm not gonna. I won't say anything yeah. for anything no, more. No, don't do it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen the movie, and I don't even know which Bond movie you're talking about. And let's, I'll tell you something. Not, it's it's a great. Uh, dude, no time I went to YouTube after the Bond movie, and I. Watched a bunch of stuff of how they did certain scenes. That's how good a movie it is. Okay, so I fully recommend the film. I'm just pissed off the way it ended. That's all. Yeah, yeah, but that's because Bond is an institution. Like you wouldn't care if it was a new character. You would have been probably fine with that. Ending. Right. You exactly. Have an expectation. When you have an expectation, yeah. something people cherish, and then you mess with it. That something that is nostalgic to people. Nostalgia is such a strong emotion. It's not a thing. It's not a pennant. It's a feeling in your core. Right, you met Michael, our friend Michael Shore. I mean, he got you change anything different than the way he remembered it when he was 14 years old. He basically cries. I love him. I'm not, you know, you know, but he and and I get it. I totally get it. I get it. But this is so, also the beauty of what we're talking about, which is sticking the landing. The beauty of this is that you do stick the landing with these major characters by finding a way for them to be out to get out of the situation that the audience otherwise wouldn't consider and they go wow that was so cool man I thought he was done and then the you know the same is true of Superman or these characters that these are the movies I don't really particularly like but you know if you would kill off Superman Batman and all the rest it's like why guys the whole magic is how these characters that we've grown so attached to get away from the situation and you know find magnetic north when there's no way to find it I think in the pre-Twitter days, didn't they kill Superman in the comics? And it caused like the what it caused they caught they undid it because the reaction was so incredibly strong. I think that story is true. I think that was in our TYT lifetime together, Jack. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I, I I'm the exact opposite now. See, did lots of twists and turns. Now I'm the exact opposite camp of Mark. Uh, I cannot watch movies anymore that are predictable. 
Like uh, I watched Lord of the Rings after uh, Game of Thrones, the fourth Lord of the Rings or whatever number it was on, I couldn't finish it. I'm like, I know none of these characters are gonna die. This is so dumb. Okay, oh wow, look at the big orc army. Uh, newsflash, they're all gonna die. Yeah, and but there's more gonna, to these characters than whether or not they live have or die. Single casualty. Yeah, it's not just who's gonna live or die, there's a story there. I mean, it's all about who's gonna live or die, then just come in at the end, yeah. I mean, it's- I mean, it, what's it, the story? It, the story is, uh, you're facing impossible odds and you will win super easily every single time. I, I didn't see the Lord of the Rings 4 or whatever one you're talking about, so I can't say. I'll give you an example of were, what you're talking three, about. Three, three, three okay. Uh, I think I did see three, I don't remember. I kind of in the, yeah. Um, but uh, when they in Star Trek 3, they kill Spock, okay, in the movie. Yeah. And Barry Diller, who ran Paramount at the time, is sitting in the screening room with a guy I knew, Harv Bennett. That's the reason I know this story. Oh yeah, and, Harv Bennett, I know Harv Bennett. And right. Harv sits there and uh, the lights come up and Diller, this is six weeks before the movie's to be released. Diller says, what was that? You've killed one of the main characters. It's absolutely unacceptable. You're gonna go out and you're gonna shoot something else. I can't have this. And, and Bahar said, no, 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 we bring Spock back in the next iteration, in the next film. And they had a big argument apparently, and Harv was insistent. Movie opens, they do kill Spock, of course, in the film. Huge film, huge, huge, huge. I think it was, it was numbered, it was Star Trek II where they Star Trek II then it was, okay. And then in three, they find him the Genesis yeah. thing or whatever, was that it? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you can kill a character, but as Ben said, like maybe in the Superman comics where they, Kill them and bring them back. You gotta bring them back, and I guess that's what they'll have to do with the. Yeah. Let me tell us. Go ahead. Yeah, we we gotta go to the next. We gotta no. go to the next okay. uh, uh, podcast. Right. And uh, and I, when Spock died, that was one of the best moments in movie history. When I found out they were bringing him back in the next movie, I felt lied to uh, and robbed. As much as I loved Spock, you uh, I felt. I felt glad about it, okay, Jank. So as much as disappointment as you had was as much enjoyment and excitement as I had. All right, so we balance each other out. Okay, uh, and so we're gonna finish this conversation. I was gonna say 18 more things about closing, but honestly, uh, but ironically, <laughs> I couldn't close it. Uh, so and plus, um, uh, an underrated food. Plus, uh, I found out uh, the secret to immortal life. So I'm gonna share it with you guys. Can you just uh, mention my 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 show oh, daily, the Mark Thompson Show? Please subscribe. I don't care whether you ever will. I want you to watch, but if you can't watch, just subscribe. The Mark Thompson Show. It's on YouTube. Find it. Subscribe. Thank you. So, uh, in order to watch the next old school episode where we can actually curse on top of all those topics, you are gonna go to tyt.com/join. Okay. In order to have fun with the rest of your life, you're gonna go to the Mark Thompson Show. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, that's our third secret sponsor. That is not at all sponsored, but Mark's appearance is sponsorship enough. So uh, everybody hold that thought. The dramatic conclusion to our conversation about conclusions <laughs> is in the next episode. We'll see you there. Back on old school Jank Uger, Ben Manquist, Mark Thompson with you guys. Uh, and of course, audience, you guys are awesome members. Yeah, Ian wrote in, I love watching the Mark Thompson show on YouTube. It's the only time I see Mark not wearing a cap. No, that's right. I don't wear a cap typically on the uh, Mark Thompson show. That's a good point. 
Well, that's a good enough reason to go to YouTube and check out the Mark Thompson show in and of itself, just that that alone. Harrison Richards is a new member joining through YouTube. Then Stone Canuck wrote in on Super Chat as an amateur songwriter, this information is comforting. Meaning, oh, good, I don't have to finish the song. <laughs> and, uh, and B.O. wrote in, uh, guys, thanks again for introducing us to Mark Thompson and letting him pimp his show a bit on TYT. I'm really hooked now, listening on delay, of course, so I never miss a TYT program. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So God bless on all that. And thanks, uh, TYT, for giving me a little boost. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I look well, forward to about- the day that uh, Mark uh, turns on uh, TYT. Oh. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, starts talking about how we look crazy stuff that you do, and you're stealing all the money, and yeah, oh, yeah. all these things, right. and living like a, the living like the the you know living like a king the way you do in your, your TYT T-shirts. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> right, right, and stressful mortgage payments. That's a good uh, fake out. Yeah. A good fake out for guys stealing oh, all the money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mark's big tell-all is going to be turn. Is there going to be a twist in it? Turns out it wasn't Pelosi paying him; it was <laughs> <Yeah>. Schumer. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay, uh, so uh, we were talking about conclusions and and how uh, you have to stick to uh, the landing uh, on a on a movie or a series. That was our point. Uh, except Ben, Ben thinks uh, endings are uh, bullshit, irrelevant, uh, and you can say whatever you want. You can moon the audience at the end; it doesn't matter. You can burn all of their trust; he doesn't care. Um, so it's close enough. You're a human being. You know, you, you just put it in there. I mean, it's gonna, it's probably pretty good. That's Ben. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe uh, that's what I said, but uh, yeah, fair enough. No, no. I think I accurately summarized it. Sure. Uh, and then, uh, and by the way, I don't want anybody to get. Uh, Anything that we said wrong, I love the Sopranos ending. Um, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, maybe, I, maybe we just debated the meaning of it. Yeah, I was positive that he had killed Tony. Uh, that, that that was it. That he got killed. And then, of course, he didn't admit it for like a decade. Uh, and then finally, it was like, yeah, of course he's dead. Of course. That's right. Yeah, Chase said it exactly. Jenk is right. Chase said, yeah, that's supposed to tell you that he that he gets it. Yeah, that's not what I took from that. Yeah, it's not even. I read the same interview. I don't even think you guys are recounting that interview correctly. Okay, well, you recounted for us then. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I didn't didn't read something that validated my incorrect point and then repeated it as if it had been true for decades. No, it's. I saw two, three different interviews. Trust me. Uh, Yeah. You can you can Google it uh, uh, and 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 check it out. He he, Tony's dead. And uh, and the reason that I loved it is because. That's how you die. It goes to black all of a sudden. There is no fade out music. Okay, you're you're here, and then boom, you don't exist anymore. <laughs> Except for my trick on immortality, which I'm going to get to in a second. Wow. Uh, but the irony is that the ending to my speeches suck. So I hope that Ben is right that people care more about the the couple of good lines in the middle, the meat of the speech. Because just as a general rule, I never write out my speeches in whatever context, right? Where I'm going to speak at a college, I'm you know riling people up for a candidate, whatever it might be, right? I'm speaking publicly, I write it. I write out like just an outline of, okay, I'm going to say this, 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 this. But there, it's not full sentences. It's just like a word, a half a sentence to remind me what I'm going to say. 
and I never stick the landing. So like I get people riled up in the middle, let's go, let's go. And then I go on for too long and then I peter out and I keep going a little longer. And then I go, okay, and yeah, I'll see you guys next time. So, 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 so you're, yeah, by the way, that's a mistake that you make then, because as Mark said, you gotta leave them feeling good, right? And you wanna leave them at your most frenzied. That's why, you know, that's why, that's why Born to Run is in the encore, right? You know, um, uh, and uh, so, so I'll, I'll leave. So, my brother, when I started in TV, started doing pieces, he was like, I don't worry about anything else about writing. And here's part of it. I mean, my brother, I didn't realize I'm making his. I'm, 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 I've taken his. What was his point, and 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 made it much broader. But his point for writing news pieces was, first line, last line, stand up. Rather, the rest of it doesn't matter. I mean, you got rules. You got to tell the story that you're trying to tell. But don't worry about it. You'll just do that, right? Doesn't have to be artful, right? Which goes to I realize now that is sort of my point. You get your big things in there, and then and then flush it out. Do it well. Right, as well as you can. Um, but so for a speech, definitely you have to think, what am I starting with? What's my big turning point in the middle where I get them? And then how do I finish it? And the finishing it then goes back to an earlier point. It doesn't need to be that big. Bobby Kennedy, moments before his death, the last public words he said after that speech, and he was no, he didn't give great speeches, right? He gave great thoughts at that point, but he wasn't a great. He gave some beautiful speeches, some powerful speeches, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't Barack Obama, he wasn't Bill Clinton, right? For the ability to craft that stuff. Up, oh, am I still here? Yep, yep. Okay, I've frozen myself. Um, but um, uh, Bobby said, uh, "On to Chicago and let's win there." Like, and that's sort of all you need is an "On to Chicago and let's win there." Like, you need to end them all with. You know, and now let's take our thoughts to DC and tell them what we think, and then walk off stage. Yeah, that's it. So Ben, first of all, too soon. So this dissing Bobby Kennedy speech is unacceptable. Second of all, I'm now ending every speech with, now out of Chicago, let's go win. Let's out of Chicago, let's win there. Yeah, let's win there. It doesn't matter what we're doing, doesn't matter what the speech is about, we're on to Chicago, okay? Uh, although I'm not sure that's a great idea because he was murdered right after that. So <laughs> it's not maybe, maybe not the best way to go. Well, I will just go back to the Sopranos for a moment. Ben um, has now, in fact, frozen. Yes. I know he's frozen. That's why I kind of thought I better chime in because he looks like he's completely frozen. Uh, look, he, the, the guy's got no ending to this. <laughs> to yeah, this for a guy who's for a show about endings. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that the um, apparently Chase admitted in an interview, this is David Chase, the guy who created The Sopranos, that the ending that we all saw uh, was not the scene that he wanted to do. And hmm. he wanted Tony to be killed in a, uh, actually show him coming back from a meeting and he was going to be in his car. Uh, from New York coming back into New Jersey. And the last scene would be uh, coming from New Jersey back into New York, I guess, for a meeting at which he was gonna be killed. Uh, that's so that's a quote, so sorry, I think I reversed it or scrambled it. But um, 
Oh, I see. At the beginning of every show, he came from New York into New Jersey. And so the last scene they wanted him going from New Jersey back into New York and then killed. But instead, they got the ending they got, and I actually liked it. I thought it was kind of, I mean, I got what was going to happen, you know, or at least what I thought I got. And, uh, and it left a little. It was kind of, it left a little, it was that feeling you get in the theater. We're just like, wow, like, you know, you have to figure it out. So. Yeah. And there was one ending to a movie that I, I didn't understand, and then I hated it. And then later someone explained it to me. And then I was like, oh, never mind, my bad. That was actually a good ending. So, and that was Jacob's Ladder. And so, oh, that's sure. like a million years ago. And, uh, and, it apparently the explanation was the entire movie was right was him reliving his life his life flashing before his eyes right before he died and once you give the explanation you're like oh that was good that's exactly <laughs> right i had the same reaction my reaction to the initially was wow i'm a bit confused by this movie right. i i i think i liked it and i was intrigued by it and I thought there was some Agent Orange thing because it took place around Vietnam, as I recall. I, um, so, I thought yeah. there was, you know, some chemical that we were as the U.S. government uh, using on the Vietnamese population or, or defoliant that we were using. But the um, uh, so I was intrigued. But you're right. When I actually read something about it, to Jenk's point, that it was his life flashing before his eyes. It was the end of his life in the reflection. Wow! It just took on this. Heaviness and coolness and power. It was really a good movie, Jacob Slatter. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about a bad ending? Vietnam. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, that's right. Too change, the, change the ending and get back to me. Yeah. God. Or the Korean War. No ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're still in the army. You know, the thing about these wars is there's really, by the time you get to the end, it all just sucks so bad, you know? War really is just the suckiest thing, man. Yeah, I mean, the end is usually like watching the end of a meat grinder, right? Right. And it's like, oh, oh, you could barely stomach it. World War One was probably the best example. World War Two ended with a flourish, um, except for the, I mean, the liberated camps and stuff. Most of those people died, and you know, it just, I mean, the devastation of communities that were annihilated by the Nazis and by, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, there was an entire generation of, you know, magical people and sweet souls lost, and that's what war is. It just steals all of those people from the earth. Yeah. So, uh, it, in a sense, World War Two had the worst ending, uh, where we dropped nuclear bombs indiscriminately killing every single person within the radius, babies, yep. grandmothers, etc. And it also had the best ending in that the liberation of the the concentration camps. Where I mean, I mean, it's you're like, holy cow, it turns out, yeah, they were doing that. And if we hadn't intervened, they'd all be dead. And my God, it turns out, for once, we really, really were the good guys, right? And yeah, we so, lived up to our own publicity for once. Yeah, that was of course in the European theater, in, right. the, <laughs> in the Japanese theater, back to the meat grinder. Indiscriminately, right, exactly. Right, and uh, let alone the firebombing of Tokyo, which was just, just brutal and actually killed more people uh, than the two news, 500,000 incinerated. 
in Tokyo uh, from from the fire bombings. All right, cheery notes, cheery notes. Okay. <laughs> Talk about not sticking the landing. Yeah. Um, now the lighter uh, part of war. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I think we're gonna get Ben back at some point, but Ben, uh, but Mark, uh, I'm gonna fill the time with uh, two compliments of you, and then we're gonna go to uh, the most underrated food. Um, so Ian writes back. Hit the like button on the Mark Thompson show. Smash it with your iron rod. Yes, we have. That is the. Smash uh, it with your iron rod. Yes, that's um, actually um, from um, what's her name, Jank Bachman, uh, Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She was doing a. Uh, she was doing. I'll tell TYT viewers because I use that on my show all the time. Smash the like button with your Smash iron. Smash it with your iron uh, rod. And the uh, uh, Bible verse she was reading. She's a big Bible thumper. She was reading a bunch of Bible verses, and one of the things she said is, uh, "Take it, Lord, and smash it with your iron rod." And I, just, I just lifted it for the show, and now we use it on the show. Smash the like button with like a, with your iron rod. Smash it yeah. with your iron rod. Yeah, so it becomes a thing. Yeah. A makes perfect sense. Uh, B, uh, God, to be fair, was smashing through with his iron rod. <laughs> he did often. some smashing, kind of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, He's still uh, smashing. Yeah. Michelle Bachman has two of my favorite stories about politicians. One was when she was hiding the bushes at an LGBT event to track them. And then as- <laughs> and I've then never as heard it, that story. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's amazing, it's an amazing story. And she stuck the landing because they found her in the bushes. And they're like, what, what are you doing in the bushes? Of our event, what do you, what what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about awkward? And what does tracking them mean? That's just crazy. Of course, it's crazy. She was nuts. She's like, ah, I found the lesbians. Congrats! You could have Googled it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, uh, if you wanted to achieve that kind of ending, but anyways, the other one was that uh, she went on this long speech about how God is talking to her and God saved her and God gave her a lot of instructions. He's like, no, 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 that one is in the microwave for only 90 seconds, <laughs> only 90 seconds. Okay, and no, 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 don't put the plastic in there. Okay, mm. and um, and so at one point she said God told her to listen to her husband, and another point she said. Well, then I had a different idea, and then I did this. <laughs> so I'm like, wait. So the guy changed his mind and said, you know, your husband turns out not that bright. Yeah, uh, skip that one, okay? And one time, God told her to be an accountant, believe it or not, and wow. so she was. And then God changed his mind and was like, hey, I think you should go into politics and talk about me and my iron rod a lot. <laughs> With your iron rod. This is a word from the Lord, and he's not happy. Exactly. Those people who talk to the Lord a lot, um, there's a guy who has an origin story, and I, I hope uh, if this gets back to him, he'll take it in the context of that it was just sort of surprising to me. Um, he became a high profile TV weather guy in Chicago, then he came to Los Angeles. And I was waiting to go on to the Emmy stage, presenting Emmys with a bunch of other on air people. So we're back there in the wings. We're sort of a captive audience and we're there for, I don't know, seven, eight minutes. And after about four of those seven or eight minutes, he just starts in on how he got into TV weather. And he said, I was working in Chicago and I was working nights and I was doing, I was working the assignment desk at a local television station and I went home 
And literally, he tells a story about opening the refrigerator. I got out a beer, closed the refrigerator, and the Lord's voice spoke to me and said, you need a plan. And I'm going to give you a plan. And the plan is TV weather. And hmm. then he begins to talk about the fact, so the next day I put together a tape and blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, really? The Lord's plan for you was TV weather? I mean, don't get me wrong, I was a TV weather guy, so I can say this. I just think that that's not necessarily the plan the Lord would come up with. If you're, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It seems like a kind of a low rent plan for the Lord. You know, yeah, I instantly love the story. <laughs> then the Lord said, your new name will be Sonny McCloud. And I and I'm just picturing the the Lord whiteboarding this. Like, all right, let's see here. What do we got? What do we got for Bob? Um, uh, look, I count and work for Michelle. She's doing great. Um, but uh, you know, I was thinking dentist. I was thinking dentist. I they, and and when do we do it, guys? Oh, after the beer, right? Oh, nice job, nice job, Sam. We're doing it right after he closes the refrigerator. I'm like, become a dentist, right? <laughs> And then at the last second, Sally's my my imaginary people are always Bob, Sally, and Susie. Seems to work. Yeah. Okay. Sally's like, wait, wait, wait! I got it! I got it! I got it! This is such a gag. Everybody's gonna love this. I'm gonna be a TV weather guy. <laughs> and Laura's like, get the fuck out of here! Really? No, TV weather. He's like, I like it. I like it. And Bob's like, Sonny McCloud. Call him Sonny McCloud. <laughs> By the way, if heaven's actually like that, I'm all of a sudden I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, career planning in heaven. Yeah, love it. I'd be like, I, I'd want to in on that committee. Yeah, I'd be like, oh my god, <laughs> Susie, hold on, hold on, let me pick Susie, please. I'm begging you, let me pick Susie. <laughs> Bigger career, right? <laughs> and 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 the the way that Michelle Bachman and so many other zealots tell it, God can never make up his mind. He's like the most fickle dude in the universe. He's like. Accountant <laughs> provision. I knew it. I knew I was saying sorry for the 17 years you spent as accountant. So like you know, slipped up on that one. Things happen, right? But you're gonna <laughs> land ending. I need you in the bushes right now. There's a bunch of lesbians coming out. Go. The the talk here is a god the god When they raided Mar Lago, God didn't like that. Yeah, that that was that's the same dude, the Lord's not happy. I mean, he, these people who have an open line to the Lord and can know when he's happy. And he seems to read the headlines and he's pretty focused. Got to give God credit. Mark, you know what I find remarkable is how closely God seems to track to their own opinions. Yeah, it's it's odd. See, Obama would love to be the Antichrist. Yeah. He would love it. He's, yeah. I, told, I caught him talking about it the other day at Martha's Vineyard. He's like, you know. <laughs> Overheard while buying a scone. Hey, Michelle, man, I'm thinking Antichrist. What do you think? That's I've got a plan for you. It's TV weather or Antichrist. Can't decide. Just yeah. try TV weather first. See how you like it. But by the way, Antichrist would be more logical because that gives the Lord of the Universe at least a reason to talk to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. If if the Lord isn't too busy to give you a mundane profession. Then he's just not doing his job right. Let's be honest. Right, right. 
You've got to be busier than that if you're the Lord. But the workaround on that is that he's able to do all stuff all the time all over the universe. So feels yeah. too, feels very focused to you, but he's actually doing a bunch of other stuff at the same time. It's pretty amazing, a, it's a miracle. That's a breeze to him, right? Like, yeah. At the same exact time, 18 other dudes are closing their refrigerator door and he's like, yeah. Right, he's like, construction worker, <laughs> <laughs> dental hygienist, drummer, <laughs> you, I've concert pianist, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, Tommy, Tommy, weird one, you don't need a plan, you're fine. <laughs> that never happens, right? The Lord never talks to you and go, goes, steady as you go. Yeah, very seldom. <laughs> he always has a plan of action. Otherwise, why talk to you? Things are going well. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You don't get it, Jake. I get it. It's almost like they're talking to an imaginary person inside their own heads. Mm. And like yeah. when they change their minds, they think maybe God changed his mind. Nah, probably not. No, that's ridiculous. Of course, it's it's actually the Lord Himself. Um, I wonder if the Lord also tells possums what to do. Like, because is he just obsessed with the animal Homo sapien, or is he also like possum? I have a plan for you. Play dead. <laughs> oh, the whole play dead thing. You think is yeah, part, yeah, Possum's part of like, God's. Whoa, plan. I didn't see that coming, Lord. What? Well, you know, if you believe that God, if we have souls, then all of God's creatures have souls. That's why I don't understand the disconnect for so many between. Human beings and uh, and animals. How you can you know love your fellow yeah. human and uh, you eat your uh, eat your fellow animal. Don't get it. I don't, there's a disconnect to me. No, look, everybody knows you're gonna film the movie Vegan Vengeance. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> directed by the Bruce. That's Bruce. right. Yeah. Vegan Vengeance. I love it. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino uh, partnering with the Bruce Bruters to do Vegan <laughs> Vengeance. Starting hey, we'll off. stick the landing. I promise you. God damn right you will. Uh, but so I hear you and you're logically consistent, Mark. Uh, and by the way, I mean, technically you're indisputably right. Uh, we're all life forms. There's n like, is there a distinction between humans and chimpanzees and bonobos? Yes, like 0.2% of our DNA. Okay, so that's just a fact. And okay, call it 99%. Go nuts, call it 98%. Okay, but it is definitely not lower than 98% of our DNA being an exact match to bonobos and chimpanzees. So is there a bonobo heaven? Is there a possum heaven? Okay, just asking questions. I have well, I mean, it's, it's and your dog, Fluffy, that you grew up with, the idea is that when you die, you'll see, you know, Grandma and grandpa and your dog Fluffy and all the, you know. Well, why is your dog Fluffy there and not all the, you know, the lambs who made up the lamb chops that you ate, you know, through, et cetera. You know, so it's a, if you're really thinking it through logically, a lot of this stuff begins to break down. You kind of have to not really focus on the logic of it, just sort of go with the the artistry of the the literary part of it, you know, the, the, the yeah. poetic part of it, the romantic part of it. Well, I mean, I mainly read the Bible for the rhymes. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, yeah, the strong suit of religion is not necessarily logic. Yes, we, we, exactly. are, we are familiar with that. 
uh, and we could move on from that. What's uh, the most underrated food? You were talking about that before. Does that on, is that on this episode or is that coming yeah. up on a future episode? Okay. It, well, first of all, you never know when it's coming up. But I don't know why we never talked about this on another old school episode, unless we did. But um, in a category, it's the most underrated within a category. Let's I be see, specific. Okay. Okay, is this the best food in the world? No, of course not by a long shot. But within this category, I think it's a clear number one, and I have now become irate that it's not universally recognized as a clear number one. Irate, okay? <laughs> uh, brioche bread, prove me wrong. Brioche bread is amazing. I would, I agree with that. I, that is, it is heavenly. It really is special. You're right. right, and it can. This is how good it is. It can be so good that it overwhelms whether or not the thing that the brioche bread is wrapped around, for example. Yes. Yeah, it, it, even it, it makes it almost immaterial. It's one of those things where the brioche is just so great, it doesn't matter what it's wrapped around. No, no, Mark, you've added to this conversation spectacularly because <laughs> I was not going to make that point, but that point is also indisputable. Like brioche materially improves anything that it's on. And sometimes it's so good it could overwhelm like, oh, that grilled cheese, the cheese inside is okay, it's okay. But you did it, oh, you did the grilled cheese on a brioche, oh, it's delicious, right? And so, uh, but why aren't, why is there all, all the buzz in the world about brioche bread? I, I don't see the buzz, do you see the buzz? Like, do you see everybody going like, oh no, no, you gotta be, you put it on brioche, you crazy? Like, the, I feel like, it should have enormous buzz. The whole country should be buzzing about it. Yet I've never heard a peep about brioche bread. You're right. A whole wheat bread and multigrain bread out buzz brioche bread, 100%. People won't shut up about whole wheat bread. Mm -hmm. Like, and now like seven grain bread, twelve grain bread, like blah 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 blah, blah verbal diarrhea nonstop about the, the the grains and this and that's sourdough, most overrated. You know why? It's sour. Brioche is <laughs> no, I'm serious. But it's it's not sour. But it is. But it is. No, it's not. It's slightly sour. Are you crazy? <laughs> okay. It's literally called sour dough. I know what it's called. <laughs> it is not literally sour. No, you don't make me do an old school poll. Don't oh, it is not literally sour. It tastes, it has its own taste yeah. to it, but it's not sour. No, it's over. Now you're creating work for Asher. I hope you're happy. Okay. I'm sorry, Asher. We're going to do a poll. Okay, it'll go up later. Uh, tyt.com slash polls. Is sourdough sour? Yes or no? Okay. No. Um, it's if I lose, I do. I mean, I lose polls all the time. Okay. But if I lose that one, that's just going to be a heartbreaker. Because I'm positive it's sour. Um, Whereas brioche now, back, is wonderful and sweet. Brioche, brioche is magical. It, brioche is totally magical. I completely agree. Um, the reason that whole wheat and multigrain outbuzz the buzz around brioche is because whole wheat and multigrain have the good pub that comes with being healthier. Okay, brioche isn't healthier. Now you can eat brioche. It's not going to take years off your life or anything, but Multigrain and whole wheat are thought of as healthier bread. So they have that rep, they have the momentum of that rep, and there's probably no turning back that rep. But for just taste, Jenk is right. It is 
brioche. I mean, brioche comfortably waltzes into the end zone of great tasting bread. Uh, you know, it's it's this one is a little too soon for me since I bet on TCU, but it is the Georgia of breads. <laughs> it, it cruises to a comfortable victory. Yeah, okay. it is true. Um, so, but that brings me back to heaven, obviously, um, because so what is heaven to each one of us? I'm, I'm getting a little deep here, Mark. Stay with me, okay? This is a refrigerator moment. Um, okay, we got the beer, we close the refrigerator, and this is sure. what's happening. Um, so we all have a different conception of heaven. If I, if you said to me, you know, blind uh, heaven taste, you you describe heaven, and then and then Mark has never heard that conversation, and somebody comes to him and says, now Mark, you describe heaven, right? What would be your heaven? Because like if you go with the heaven that's in the in the traditional, you know, Bible, but I, what do we know? We, nobody's ever read the Bible, right? Uh, so. Like you get it from the movies and you think, oh, the harp and the little baby that looks like he's a Cupid and no one knows, right? But it's it's got wings, maybe it's Cupid's brother, right? And so if you go with that, no one's interested in that. That's old school. Like that was from the 1800s when they were like, whoa, heaven's got a harp. Oh man, I'd love to get into heaven, right? Now people are like, harp, no, 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 I'm gonna make my own heaven, right? And so- By the way, the angel with the harp's always white. Oh yeah, for sure. Like as there's there's never been forget a a black angel with a harp. Yeah. There's never been a brown one <laughs> ever. Uh, you never know. Like, yeah, it can't yeah. get and it has to be a lily white angel always. Yeah, you you never see like a Middle Eastern dude playing the harp, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's always like Isaac Svensson uh, on the harp again. Oh yeah. Good selection, God. Thanks. Um, so, there, like you know, instantly, everyone, of course, has a slightly different version of what that would be their perfect ideal utopian world, right? So, get a load of what um, I thought of. I thought of why don't I think about what would be heaven for me, and then kind of recreate it here on Earth, okay? So I don't need harps. I don't need random, you know, Cupid's brother Ahmed, the first Middle Eastern Cupid. Uh, I I would go to a place with great brioche bread, uh, with lovely weather, and I'd go with my friends and last talking about how brioche bread is underrated. Okay, and then you know what I do? I go, oh yeah, wait, I could do that. And I call up you and Ben, and we go and we do that. And that is heaven. That's what I would have drawn up, and I did draw it up. So, you can you do that all the time? Of course not, right? But can you do it sometimes? Wait, I guess you could, couldn't you? So, uh, my conclusion to this is: I'll see you in Chicago. We're gonna win there. <laughs> On to Chicago, and let's win. There. Let's win there. Exactly. That's what he said. It's gotta get the cadence. You gotta get the cadence. Yeah, so on um, to heaven. Let's win there. <laughs> Does it make on sense? The afterlife. Let's win there. Yeah, I just think that like what percentage of men, since we're all men, if like be like, why can't I create my image of heaven here on earth? And they would instantly leave their families. Like, oh, like, yeah, right? You know, right? I mean, <laughs> like I said, you can't get everything. That's right. You can't, <laughs> you can't get everything. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. If if you wanted the 72 virgins, well, yeah. that was gonna be a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> but I got news for you. You're not getting it in the other place either. Just for the record, I would not I would not do that. Just FYI. Of course, other men would. Nor would I. I, I guess we have to say it. Yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in Chicago. No, right. <laughs> um, so on to uh, Chicago. On to Chicago. And let's, let's win, win there. there. Yeah. On to Chicago. Let's win there. All right. Let's. That's also some, it's also. It's also like. I mean, it's. I guess Chicago is more syllables, but I mean, it's. It's. It's three words and three words. You know. On to Chicago. Let's win there. Who's with me? You can even add that. No. Oh, you know. Twist. Yeah. Okay. Kind of a joke. Kind of All a right. Joke Here we go to Chicago. We're gonna win there. <laughs> Let's get on a plane. Let's fly to Chicago and do our best. Uh. Okay, so uh, now let me drop the bombshell on how you could be immortal. Um, I don't know why nobody figured this out. This is super simple. Um, you know, Disney tried to freeze himself. Elon Musk is talking about like, I don't know, freezing neural links, monkeys, Mars. I don't understand any of it. That's And none of it's gonna work. Um, a, uh, get your DNA, put it somewhere, super, super, super simple, right? Uh, B, later they will figure out how to clone you, uh, duh, okay? So now you're gonna say, well, well, that's not necessarily the same person. That's true, it's not, it's just the same hardware, right? And you'll have the new person will have new software, they'll grow up in a different environment, you have different influences, etc. That's why you make a video, okay? And you make a video of yourself talking to yourself, saying, hey, big guy, here's the situation. Apparently, you've been replicated, or I've been replicated. Don't worry, you're not me, <laughs> okay? And then you explain what happened in your life and say, hope it helps, okay? There, you're immortal. What do you guys yeah, think? But you're, you're not immortal. There it goes, Ben, again. You just, just can't stick to lending. They just have some of your. Okay, same. Yeah, you were freezing. Uh, No, I mean, you're you're not. uh, I have like basically dial up internet at my new house. (laughs) That is essentially what I have. It's insane that we live in. First of all, let me tell you a little story. I don't even like the immortal conversation. You can't be immortal, right? Also, and and the cloning, remember the movie Multiplicity, which is one of the really, that's the defining film about cloning. That each version of Michael Keaton, a little bit less than the version before. Right. Yeah, I know, but I don't care. That's not me. Uh. Right? No, no, I don't care either. I just mean <laughs> that, like, so I think like, and I, I don't think you'll take this the wrong way. I think that like, uh, I think like uh, Asher, the producer, like if you got eighty-five percent of Asher, pretty good person, right? Eighty-five percent of Mark, maybe not the booming voice, but still a broadcaster and a solid <laughs> contributor to society. I think eighty-five percent of me would be fine. Okay, you know, maybe a little further down the cable dial. I think 85% of Jack could be a catastrophe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the uh, uh, I don't know cloning. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not for cloning. So, uh, I live in Los Angeles, California. I moved into a new house for a while, right? And I don't live in the suburbs. There's no suburbs of Los Angeles. The whole place is a suburb, right? I live in, you know, I don't want to name the town, but you guys are aware of it. It's it's in the middle of the action, right? I mean, it's in it's in the middle of the I'll say that it's in the middle of the San Fernando Valley. I, I can see Ventura Boulevard if I walk out on the street and look down. 
It's about four tenths of a mile away, but you can see the cars, right? And so a coyote has been in our backyard and our dogs chased it away. Yesterday we found a, a duck that my dogs may have injured and attacked in our yard. I don't know, the dog is, the, the they weren't attacking when I got out there, they were looking at it. So, and they certainly could have killed the duck. Um, the duck is injured in some way, but he may have been injured like in flight and fallen because it's a little inexplicable why it was in our backyard, especially apparently this kind of duck. Save it for the jury, Ben. Go ahead. Yes. I'm taking. Oh, I'm taking the duck to San Pedro tomorrow. You're to goddamn right, you are. Rescue, right? Yes. Um, uh, it's you know currently in a in a in a box with towels and and you put water in there and it tries to bite you. It's not a happy duck. Yeah. So. What is happening? Coyotes and ducks are in my yard. This is Los Angeles, California, and I have 50 megs of internet speed. That's why I keep getting knocked off everything. I'm, it's like a, it's like 1997 and trying to get online in this house. And that's all I could get. That was it. It's all I could get. Now I have paid more than $500 to some guy to cut down some trees so that Spectrum, the worst company in American history, can can wire my house for high speed internet, which they couldn't do because there were too many trees. The pole was too far away and they couldn't attach it to my house. Again, I'm not in the I'm not in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the middle of everywhere. It's very frustrating. So uh, earlier today I was interviewing an author about attention span. She wrote a book called Attention Span. And I, while I was doing that, I was watching the national championship on another screen. No. And no. I lost uh, my attention span and I had no idea what she was saying. Um, so, uh, and earlier in the story, I lost my attention span for a second. And I have no idea why Ben killed that duck. <laughs> it was making this awful quacking sound. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> okay, why does Ben have a duck on ice? I, like because the duck was ruining his internet speed, <laughs> and so he felt it was either a question of the duck survival or the internet he speed. Moved to an urban mecca, Los Angeles County, by far biggest county in America. It's not close. No one is competitive to Los Angeles County, and you can't get high-speed internet. And there's ducks falling out of the sky in your back backyard. Right? What is that? I get the coyotes, sort of. Uh, I was glad to see my dog scare the coyote off. That was fun. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just all of a sudden it feels like I am untethered to uh, modernity. Yeah. And it's well, welcome to the valley. Um, so, uh, by the way, uh, I have a coyote story, but we're out of time. But I'll just I'll shorten it to this: out for a walk, one o'clock in the morning, uh, I see two coyotes. And I look at him like, I don't think you want a piece of this. <laughs> <laughs> and they look at me for a while and decide I'm correct. Yeah, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't like things that are that are bigger than they are. And they're also no. coyotes. They're not, they're not that big. Yeah, they're like little no, dogs. It's it's yeah. the genes. It's the genes. Uh, they're like, yeah, that guy's significantly larger than us. Fuck it, let's get out of here, Bob. Yeah, right. Um, so listen, uh, we're gonna end on a couple of things. One is we did it, apparently we did an instant poll on Twitch. It, ben, you missed this and you actually could be the tiebreaker. Um, is sourdough bread sour? Holt, the voting, uh, last I saw a screenshot, so dramatic, six to six tie. So. 
Yeah, that might have been early on. I don't know. And that's ben, all there is, is like, is it sour or yes Yeah, that's or no. all there is, Ben. That's all there is. All right, well, I can break the tie. I have uh, I have sourdough bread in my kitchen. I enjoy sourdough bread. I, 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 I dare say I love sourdough bread. Uh, sourdough bread is sour. Yes. Okay. Well, he's broken the, the tie, way, but he's, out. as usual, he's completely wrong. But I mean, I love sourdough bread, but let's not deny that it is, I mean, because you have eliminated all the delicious the from your right. life. Yeah. No, I have. Well, that's not true. I thought you were going to say the question has has eliminated the nuance. Oh, the question is uh, It's not. It's not uh, so sour that ben, you can't eat it. I stipulated the fact that it tastes different than regular than than white bread or whole wheat bread. All these breads taste a bit different, but it doesn't taste sour. It is no. a little bit sour. I see why it has a it has a hint of of of. But I mean, the right it has just the right amount of sour. Do you eat sourdough bread without? Do you eat sourdough bread raw? Do you raw I dough? Love, sourdough I love bread? sourdough bread. Yes, I will absolutely. I'll just rip one. Off. Sourdough baguettes. You don't rip a little off of there and just uh, eat it. No, butter goes no, on. Or now, but now you'll be pleased to know uh, oat butter. Oh, there you go. Well, I mean that's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's my uh, vegan audience. Guys, uh, the the twitch poll was a micro poll. That's a thing I just made up. So I'm not playing around. Now this has become a, a significant mystery. And the country's torn. How could it be tied? Half the people think, of course, sourdough's bread is sour, and half of them think, "Well, you guys are nuts. It's not sour at all." We've got to go to tyt.com. You like sour? You it's dislike different sour. tasting. It's not sour. Do you not like sourdough bread, Jake? Uh, will I eat it? Of course I will. I, I'm an American. Uh, do <laughs> I do I think that it uh, ranks near the bottom of the breads, even though it, people treat it like it ranks in the top four? Yes, so, I so do. Mark, in a real quick, in a in a conversation where I have to vote yes or no, I vote yes. Um, is is uh, uh, based, but it, it is so subtle. That it's delicious. It is a fantastic bread. It's a top three bread. There's no question. It has a little taste that is so aggressively unsweet that I guess I have to describe it as sour. If the only other choice is no, I see. It feels like I I'm not doing it justice. It, I don't, no, yeah. I, I'm going to end this. Uh, <laughs> okay, because think about. Okay, I mean, ending has been the theme of this entire two episodes. Sure. Yeah. And we're so over time and we will not end. Okay. Yeah, right. So, anyways, so it's obviously Chicago. End this Let's conversation there. about sourdough definitively, though, because in a world where half the people think that sourdough bread is sour, do we think that it was an accident that it's named sourdough? No, I think obviously it's, I taste a little bit of sourness in there, but I mean, like the sourness in sour cream. I mean, sour cream is not off-putting. It's delicious. You know, it's I, but vital. that's so ironic because sour cream is the least sour thing in America. Well, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> Orange juice is more sour than sour cream. Oh yeah. Oh, by far. Chocolate cake is more sour than sour cream. Well, now we're having a conversation. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we are having a conversation. <laughs> Look, let's just on to the bakery and let's eat there. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right, guys, we'll see you in Chicago.